Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. One time, though, I did go to a Nigerian restaurant. I was wearing the mask and I was wearing the studs before I had changed my earrings. I guess they didn't see my huge facial hair. And the lady was like, ma'am, what did you order? And then I responded. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, take your time. I know you're recovering from murdering a cricket. Rest in peace. A moment of silence for the dead crickets. <laughs> I might leave that in the podcast, actually. <laughs> in the arms <laughs> of the angels. <laughs> that song when people would do play those you know montage videos of the re- remembrance of 9-11 <laughs> by the way there are people some kids like 9-11 has been more over 20 years now and there are people who are now in college who did not experience firsthand what 9-11 anyway mm-hmm. anyway so you know that song we're in heaven mm-hmm. we're in heaven baby you're all that i want when you're lying here in your arms i remember in myspace that used to be like the yeah. the sad song everybody put on their profiles like yeah. and they'd use that song for everything starving children in africa those commercials that song people who have lost a loved one to hurricane katrina that song no matter what it was that song yeah i'm sick of that song so christy what have you been up to since the last episode struggling as usual <laughs> nothing new to report there <laughs> <laughs> but despite the struggle, I did I did actually consume some content <laughs> to bring to the listeners this week. Because why else? Why else would I consume content? <laughs> Not just scamming my whole life for content for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What did I do? I watched the movie The Green Knight. So that came out this year, I think a couple months ago or so. It's starring Dev Patel. It's basically i don't even want to say reimagining because it's honestly pretty true to the source material but it's based on a like king arthur legend and king arthur is a character in it but it's based like the main character of the story is sir gawain who is are they pronounce it garwin in the movie i don't really know anyway it's based on sir gawain he's the main character king arthur is also a character in the movie but he's sort of a side character but it's based on a poem like some sort of epic poem about sir gawain who was played by dev patel and and what can I say about this movie? Thumbs up or thumbs down? <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer we need. Thumbs in the middle. I enjoyed it, I think. I had no concept of what was happening from where I was sitting. I think part of it was a failure on their part. I think part of it was a choice on their part, their part being the movie makers. And part of it was me not understanding the source material. But that's not all of it. My husband knows the Arthurian legends and lore pretty well. And so he, like, we ended the movie and I was like, what? I was like, I enjoyed that. But what the fuck just happened? What happened? Why was this? Why were they? Why? Why? And he didn't know. He knew, like, a little bit more than me. But it was just, like, some of the... They didn't explain anything well. No, no. And it was, like, all of these disconnected things it seemed like a bunch of random events unconnected to one another and people's choices made no sense so like i don't want to give anything away because the beginning has like a pretty interesting like twist that sort of sets off the whole story but it's like people make choices and i'm like why did you just do something so objectively stupid and now why are you just is it sorry what? i have a stupid is this a, is this an american production or like a british production it's american it's an american movie ah 
that's why. Yeah, and some of it he was able to explain. He was like, a lot of the sort of old chivalric tradition is just like honor for honor's sake, even if it means just literally going somewhere knowing you're going to die. It doesn't matter. You're just doing it for the for the honor of the thing. Okay, fine. I'll, t- I'll just say it because I need to I need to talk about it. So like spoiler from the beginning of the movie The Green Knight. And it is it is right in the beginning. So there's still more to this movie if you want to watch it. But it starts out Dev Patel is Sir Gawain. He's King Arthur's nephew. He goes to this Christmas feast hosted by King Arthur. And King Arthur is like chatting him up. He's like, oh, you're my nephew. I wish I got to know you better. Da, 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 da. Like clearly not like that. They're speaking in like a sort of period appropriate lingo is not the word. Anyways, not important. King Arthur's chatting up his nephew, Sir Gawain. And there's this like green knight that comes in. That's like this sort of mythical tree knight being and comes in and like issues a challenge, like a game. And it's like, you know, whoever can like land a blow on me, a cut of any kind, like they get my ax. But then a year from now, I get to land the same blow on them. So it's like, okay, like if you go and like give him a little cut on his pinky finger, then you get to have his axe and then next year he comes back and gives you a little cut on the pinky finger like okay this is a great deal except sir gawain is like fuck yeah i'll take this challenge and like grabs a sword and like lops off his head like that's exactly what i was about to say because that way you know that a year from now he can't come back you get his axe and you get to keep it forever no so the green knight so he lops off his fucking head the green knight like picks up his head his own head gets back on the horse and like rides off cackling Okay, that's funny because he knew that somebody would probably pull that kind of shit and he knows he's probably yes. immortal. So he knows yes. he's going to come back and get you. <laughs> and it was so unnecessary because he could have just, he was like, anything you do to me, I'll do to you. And he could have just like, he was like any blow and he just chops his head off. Gawain is now shook like, holy fuck. Yes. <laughs> My days are numbered. Yes. <laughs> he's supposed to like go and meet the Green Knight in this chapel like the next year at Christmas. We were like, just don't go. Like, don't go. But then it's like, oh, but it's honorable. I have to go. And so like, that's the whole chivalry piece I don't get. King Arthur was like, you have to go. And everyone was like, yeah, definitely go. It's like, what if he just didn't go to a place yeah. where someone wanted to cut off his head for his own bad decisions? The whole thing, I think is comical. This should have been a camp movie. <laughs> it should have been. Should be, if, I, if I were the director of this movie, I would make this a high camp comedy. It would be, you would see the internal monologue as it's happening. Like, haha, got this motherfucker. If I cut his head off, he won't be back next year. And then you go full steam with your full chest, lop his head off. <laughs> And then you're like, oh no, wait a minute. Rides away cackling, holding its own head. <laughs> can we make can we remake an Arthurian legend with like drag queens as a camp movie? Because it's ripe for that. Honestly, now that you say that, it's ripe for that. Because then the rest of the fucking movie was like a fever dream. It was literally like this thing happens and then they just jump to like a year later, like a few days before Christmas, and everyone's like, Well, guess you gotta go get your head cut off. Hope you come back. Gotta see through, my boy. Yeah. You gotta see through, my boy. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole thing is just his journey to go to this like chapel to get to where the green knight is who's gonna like cut his head off but like the things that happen on the way are just bonkers what it just doesn't make any sense like they're just things just happen to him and people show up and none of it made any sense <laughs> like i was fascinated but i i honestly did not follow it at all it was mm. it was an experience i think i enjoyed it I didn't understand it. I also listened to the long-awaited Montero, the album by Lil Nas X. (laughs) I'm still lagging, but please let me have it. Let us have it. It's great. It's so good. I was so ready to like listen to it and be like, oh no, this is terrible. (laughs) Like after all the anticipation, after having to see that horrifying pregnant belly on TikTok every time I opened it up. (laughs) 
I was so worried that it was not going to be good, but it is good. It is good. Shout out to Lil Nas X. He's got all the features. He's got he's got Doja Cat. He's got Megan the Stallion. He's got Miley Cyrus. He's got the whole gang there. It's like it's like made for TikTok. Like every song in this album is going to be on TikTok. <laughs> but it's also like actually like he does some good storytelling and there's like fun songs. Like it's honestly is it like academically great music? Like maybe not. He'll but get he'll get there the meantime, honestly. He has to make bops that we can do TikToks to. Oh my god, yeah. And he's clearly like I I forget if we discussed this on or off the last episode, but like he's clearly been taking voice lessons. Like his voice is way better. Like the album has a lot of range in terms of like different types of songs. It's really fun to listen to all the way through. I know Lil Nas X, you were waiting on the Big Empty Purse certification before you could really call your album a success. So you know, now you have one half of it. Yes. So the other half is pending. Next week, when I get my <laughs> shit together, I'll be back here to let you know what I think of the Montero album. What a shocker that would be if you just came on here after all of this I love for Lil Nas terrible. X and come on here and talk about like, his album. And you know what? That would track though because it would. no i mean it, it wouldn't track with his performance but it would no. track with me talking out of both sides of my neck yes. <laughs> but i tried to be as brutally honest it seems like the kind of thing somebody throws around when they just want to be offensive and that's not my aim i don't want to just say stuff for the sake of shock value and just to be annoyingly offensive that's not my goal i want right. to be able to explain why if it's good why it's good if it's almost good what about it fell short and i'm not going to say because i'm in love with lil nas x and literally i want to marry him and even that i will still tell when the album is not up to par where I think it should be. I will come up here and say it. I'm very happy to hear that it's a it's a good album though. I think the true testament is going to be so this is his freshman album. I hate to call it that, but this is his first album. What's he's been dropping singles since. It hasn't been like a full body of work. Most artists, you can tell if they have spent the time to develop as an artist by their second album, their sophomore album. It's like the you've heard that the curse of the sophomore album. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists fail at the second album only because when you somebody explained this like a different way, I forget who it was. And it's true of many artists, right? Where you do your best work when you have have a clear vision mm-hmm. but you, you you just have just enough expertise to execute that vision and it's like this graph where if you have a little too much expertise you start doubting the vision mm. and it's what happened with gaga with um art pop yeah the better you get at something in terms of skill speaking your gut feeling you start to question that and you start to tweak it tweak it tweak it so it can match your skill level mm-hmm. so the reason why a lot of albums freshman albums do very well is because they don't have the skill set yet they just have enough skill set to execute their very clear and precise vision Mm-hmm. And then it's good because of that. On their second album, if their skill sets overshadows their vision for that album, it flops. Mm-hmm. So for you to be a true artist, you really have to be able to either be objective in what you think your skill sets are. So say for instance, if your skill sets have gone up X, the vision you're trying to accomplish has to be so much more complex that mm-hmm. your skill set doesn't overshadow that vision. It has to meet at that very perfect place again. Otherwise, it's going to fail. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people with their sophomore albums, you like, Damn it, man. I'm going to be waiting for his second album. This one, I'm sure I'm going to love it for the sake of what I think I know what it is. But the second one, I'm going to be on his neck. Same thing with Lauren Hill. Do you remember Lauren Hill's first album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill? Mm-hmm. When she came off of Fugees. By the way, by the fucking way, the Fugees are coming to the DMV. You better go see them if you have time. They oh. are going to be here on November 28th. Oh, you're not here, aren't you? I'm not here. I'm going oh, to be away. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. I was so upset. I saw the thing come on. You have no idea. The Fugees have not. The last time we saw the Fugees together was before 1998. They performed here and there, but like their last album together was the one that had strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song. That album. And before that, I think that that was called The Score. That album Mm -hmm. broke a lot of records. It had that song. It had Ready or Not, Here I Come, You Can't Hide, I'm Gonna Find You and Take It Slowly. That album was fire. And they're going to come back together. I think just a few shows in November. They're going to be in Chicago in November too. I was thinking of carrying my raggedy ass up there just to go see them. (laughs) 
Anyway, I don't know why I went on a tangent there, but like the reason why I went on that tangent is because I was bringing up Miss Lauren Hill when she had her first album, which is why I think Lauren Hill is very smart. She did the first album, The Miseducation, after she, that was her first solo album after she like left a few years to pursue a solo career. And that album was great. She won on her first solo album, five Grammys for her first solo album. This is way before Alicia Keys and then Beyonce started coming and like doing it big. She was the first one to do it. But she knew that after that first album, she had to go away because she didn't want the curse of the second album flop. She understood what I just described. She knew that unless she went away to go develop a vision. And the way she said it was, for me to write a good album, I have to live enough rich life experiences to write complex music. Hmm. But her contract forced her to produce an album because, you know, they tell you to make so many albums within your contract. So she was forced to create an album due to the time of her contract. Hmm. And what she was saying is if she just goes ahead to make an album because the contract requires her to make an album, she hasn't lived enough life experience that she thinks she can make work as good as The Miseducation. So she was like, man, I can't do another album. I can't. And they're like, but you have to. So what she did was she was like, it's going to flop if I do it. So she was like, how about this? I'll bring a compilation of songs and I'll do a live MTV Unplugged album. So that's what she did. And I don't even know if you remember, she had an MTV Unplugged album. And it was actually, it was, it was okay. It was decent. It was better than decent, actually. But compared to the Miseducation album, <laughs> it wasn't giving what the Miseducation gave. It still had a lot of the very raw feeling, but it wasn't the same. But anyway, mm -hmm. th th that curse caught me. I know she was trying to avoid it because she knew it was going to catch her, but it caught her anyway. Mm. And since then, she was just like, fuck it. So I feel like she needs to... Lauren Hill needs to come back with like some fire because we've been waiting. That um, MTV Unplugged came out like 2000, 2001. It's been 20 years since. Oh, wow. Come on, Miss Lauren Hill. Come on. We're waiting on you. She released like some singles like back when she, you know she went to jail for like tax evasion or whatever. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> Stupid. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Lauren Hill. Okay, now that we're on this topic, Lauren Hill went to jail for tax evasion because she didn't believe in paying taxes. I would be <laughs> wary of paying taxes too, but like I don't like jail. So, so what, and it's not the case where, you know, the thing is where most artists don't want to pay taxes and they're just like, oh, my accountant's just messed up. And then they eventually, like, she went to jail. What Wesley Snipes went to jail. You can't evade taxes in this country. They're going to get you. Mm -hmm. They're going to send you. The thing is, you think that if you go to jail, then you don't have to pay the taxes that you owe. When you come out of jail, you're still going to pay that money. No, really? The U.S. government doesn't fuck around. The IRS is on every, like, everybody's neck. For you to avoid all that trouble, pay, pay the damn taxes. Just pay it. Honestly, just pay it. Because you're going to go to jail and you're still going to have to pay that money. They'll give you a payment plan. You're going to pay it. And the thing is, you want to pay it while you have it. You want, you don't want to pay it after you've spent it. And maybe if you're an artist, you know how in an artist's career, you have um, Wayne and Waxes where you basically have a lot of bookings and then you go through a time where like you don't have as many because nobody's guaranteed work as an artist forever and ever. Mm -hmm. So they're going to ask you to pay it when you spend all that money and your career is like in that dip where you don't have as many bookings mm -hmm. and then you won't have the money to pay. So you're now stuck. They can start you know seizing your assets and stuff like that so anyway shout out to Ms. lauren hill lauren hill if you're listening to this wyclef prosrell can you release a really good dvd of this concert series i will buy that dvd please a dvd just... sorry am i showing my age <laughs> hello 2008 <laughs> a dvd you don't want them to do a netflix special you want a dvd that one, that one. a netflix special <laughs> jesus christ i'm fucking old <laughs> by the way lil nas could you please respond to my dms please 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 <laughs> Please. What have I been up to? <laughs> Do I even need to say it? You know, at this point, we need another phrase because going through it is an understatement. It doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. Even going under it now doesn't cut it. Yeah. <laughs> this week, what it is, is something more severe than going through it. My dear, my life is hanging by a thread. It's catching fire. It's rolling in the deep. Reaching a fever pitch. <laughs> Bring you out the dark. <laughs> Bring me out the dark. <laughs> Bring me out of the dark. When I tell you this week has tried me in every single way possible, I have had it. I have had 
it. Look, I guess it's story time. It's not like, first of all, to put it in perspective, my regularly scheduled bullshit is ongoing. That happens every week. <laughs> no need to even say, it just happens. However, I need to go do my missions. This is like one small story that I'm going to tell in terms of the bullshit that my life is comprised of. I need to go do my emissions test for my car, right? They sent me the letter like two weeks ago, whatever, three weeks ago. And I usually, when like, when official stuff like this comes through my inbox or stuff like that, I schedule it as fast as possible just so I can get it over with. Not trying to have another uh, jury duty fiasco. Exactly. I don't. <laughs> Even the jury duty one, I tried to do it the best way possible and I still fucked that one up. So I guess fuck my drag, I guess. But it came through my inbox and I was like, all right, emissions test. Let's just go do it, right? I get my raggedy ass. I get in the car. I go. And I get there. And the guy was like, oh, we can't read your car. I was like, what do you mean you can't read my car? It's a fucking computer. Read it. He goes, yeah, no. He goes, did you have any work done in your car recently? And I was like, no, but like I had worked on my car like within the last few months or so. He goes, okay, that's it. Because like when they do work on your car, so if you if you go get like new tires, you go get your tires aligned, your, 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 your motor changed, your, that kind of stuff, they reset the thing. So he goes, we can't read it. So how about you go home and come back in like seven days and maybe we'll try again. And I was like, okay, work. So I go home and leave the car. My alarm reminds me, go back. So on the eighth day, I like go back and... I was like, all right, I'm about to pass this so I can get on my way. And she's like, I can't read your car. I was like, again? She goes, this has happened before? I was like, yeah. She goes, oh. She goes, if this happens a third time, my dear, your car will automatically fail. I was like, what? She goes, so here's the thing. You need to take the car on the highway and drive it up to 60 miles per hour every day for seven days consecutively and then come back on the eighth day. That way your car would have had like a chance to run all the thingies so we can be able to have like a, a comprehensive report of like whether your car passes or fails. Because here's the thing. I don't drive the car every day. Yeah. I don't even drive it. Maybe even twice a month. I don't because I right. live in the city now. I just bike everywhere and I just right. leave the car parked, which is why this is annoying because I have to go through all this trouble to get the car to pass the emissions test where I'm just going to like as soon as it passes, I'm going to park that motherfucker again and I'm not going <laughs> to drive it. So I was like, all right, this is annoying. Now I have to plan time in my schedule every day, at least an hour to take my raggedy ass on the freeway, drive the car 60 miles an hour, going nowhere, spending money on gas that I don't need to spend. And I take my raggedy ass back home, I'll park it again for six, for seven days and then go back on the eighth day. You won't believe it. I start doing that, what you recommended. And on the third day, my check engine light comes on. So my check engine light comes on. And of course, I have the computer reader. I just read it to see what why it's on. And the car says something like evaporative fuel leak detected. And that usually means you either left your gas cap open. And I was like, I don't leave my gas. Like it's a pot. I don't leave my gas cap open. You can't. So I was like, I know that's not the problem. So I was like, all right. Because I need to pass my emissions test, and by the way, the deadline for me to pass my emissions test is middle of November, which is funny because we I just said to you that I wasn't going to make it for the Fugees concert because I'm going to be away because I'm going to be away. <laughs> so now I have to pass this emissions test before November. Otherwise, I just won't be here to pass it. So I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to schedule an appointment to go diagnose the car at the dealership. They're going to tell me what's wrong with it. And, you know, so I get there thinking they're going to charge me maybe $300 and I'll be done with it and I get on my life. And I get there, I guess for a car that's almost eight years old, I shouldn't be spending money like this on a car. I get there and they're like, oh, the diagnostic fee is like almost $200. The guy comes to me and goes, sir, um, we've run the diagnostics and we think we know what the problem is. I was like, oh, cool. What is it? And the way he looked at me, I knew he was sorry for me oh no ah. the guy said uh your fuel pump is the problem i was like i'm sorry say what now <laughs> he was like yeah your fuel pump is the problem i was like so what does that mean he says you need a new fuel pump I was like, okay, can you tell me how much that's going to cost? He goes, it's going to be a thousand and something dollars. No. I was like, I beg your pardon? He goes, yeah, it's going to be that <laughs> And I'm sitting there like, first of all, you know how I said I was prepared to like spend $300 and I've already spent 200 out of this $300 just to diagnose the car? Mm -hmm. Now this is close to thousand something dollars. I said to him, I said, look, sir, sir, sir. <laughs> I'm not prepared to spend that kind of money today. So I need you to tell me two things. If I don't fix this problem today, will the, will the car last another month? Will it? 
will it last another month? He was like, I don't know, but like, try your luck and see. And I was like, okay, so can you give me a quote for that amount of money so I can go start saving up for it or I can go like panhandle on the side of the streets until I have the money complete? I don't know. The guy was like, okay, I'll give you a quote, but the quote will only last 30 days. I was like, so you want me to go do a bracadabra, pull that money out of someplace and be back here in 30 days? He says, yes. I'm like, all right. I was like, my dear, I'm driving this car home with a bad fuel pump and we go with God. We're just gonna, we're gonna go with God. That car, I've been home. This is two days ago. That car has been parked right there. Eight, sat on that so within the next 30 days i have to go fix my fuel pump and i said to my sister i was like i call my sister i was like damn it man she goes it's time for a new car i was like you're right will you pay for it she's like you are a fraud i'm like you're right <laughs> so now i guess i started looking up new cars and i was like i can't fit that in my budget right now there's too much going on getting a new car is not something that i want i was like okay i'll just i'll just pay for the fix it's fine and she told me something that is i guess is very true she goes because she's like your car is reaching the, the time in a car's life where it starts to just give you problems mm -hmm. and she was like you should just consider getting a new one or not having a car at all it's like it's impossible i know i don't drive the car often but when i do need the car it's very convenient to have and also the fact that i want to keep having an insurance history i don't want there to be like any gap because mm. you know when you go restart the whole thing they could just throw you any direction they want to throw you and i don't want that mess right so i was like damn it man because so if you pay this money now which isn't a big deal you paid and you'll be over with it if the car in the next few months throws something else out you're going to start tallying a lot of money to spend on the car how about you don't fix the car you get rid of it and you replace it my dear i went to the tesla website i was like maybe i should order myself a tesla the cheapest tesla that they have in their inventory Fifty-seven thousand dollars. Why are you going <laughs> in this economy? Why are you going for a Tesla? In this economy, what are you doing? <laughs> in this economy. Because here's the thing, though. The guy at the dealership. Get yourself a Honda. What are you doing? Do I have Honda money? Because the guy said to me, first of all, I I, I promised myself that my next car is not going to be an internal combustion engine car. It just won't. And the guy said, I because I explained my problem to me. He goes, Oh, chances are, if you leave your car parked for most of the time, that you can just have like the gas can go bad. I don't know if the gas goes bad like that, but I do leave my car parked for months of the time. Mm -hmm. And every time you go drive the car, your fuel pump is pumping gas that has been sitting there for months. Mm. And then if you do that over the course of however many months or a year or so, then it makes sense that your fuel pump is just giving out. So chances are, I'm not going to move. I'm going to I'm not going to start driving unnecessarily for the sake of driving so I can keep the car. If I buy another internal combustion engine car, guess what's going to happen? The same exact thing. The yeah. same exact thing. So I was like, it just is a better idea for me to just shape up and get that fucking Tesla. But I looked at the price because I was like, a Tesla, they, they promised when they announced that Tesla would cost $30,000. And I was like, <laughs> if I can scam really hard, I might be able to stiff it. But... The cheapest one they have on the website is $57,000. I was like, oh, my dear. This look like we're going to go with God now. So that's just step one. Meanwhile, the rest of my regularly scheduled bullshit is just ongoing. And I'm just out here like, I don't deserve this. I don't know which cosmic higher power I pissed off. But really, this is not the week for this to happen. I have I have shit to worry about. This should not be my priority right now. But anyway, nobody ever expects car problems. But when it hits you, man, mm -hmm. it's some bullshit. So for those of you out there, if you're sponsors, maybe Elon Musk, if you're listening to this episode, do a brother a favor and just hand me a Tesla. I would like my preferred one would be a Model Y. Because I think the X is too much and I think the S is too big. But the, the Y is okay. The 3, I think, might be on the small side. But I'll even take a 3 at this point. But a Y is the one that I really want. It's not too much. Just do a brother a favor. Just hand me a Model Y. Here's to hoping my week goes better. Speaking of going through it, the topic we'll be discussing this week is complaining. So I just spent the last 10 minutes complaining. You know what we're going to do for the rest of the episode? Complaining. Complaining. That's it. Do you complain a lot? <laughs> <laughs> me 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 never no it seems like if there's one thing we like more than childhood trauma on this podcast it's complaining you know that nonsense that people say don't complain so much you know be a bigger person my dear i'm a very small person i'm very small i'm tiny i'm tiny minuscule at the slightest inconvenience i will complain yes 
<laughs> yes, no, I love to, I love to complain. <laughs> I love to. It's the same as you. Even if it's something I enjoy, even if it's something, and like some of it is legit and some of it is just like fun, fun complaining, but I complain a lot. And I feel like I surround myself with people who complain a similar amount and can understand where my complaining is coming from. But I definitely run into people who are like, dear God, like you are so negative. Like what? <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? I don't even remember because clearly I'm not friends with them anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing though. I will say this unequivocally. People who don't complain, I can't fuck with them. If you see someone who's really nice, who's really trying, it seems like they're just always upbeat and positive. The amount of energy and effort to maintain that, it means that for them to put that amount of effort and energy up to maintain that, it means what's under that that they're trying to hide is something completely scary that they're willing to put up that work to hide it from you. Mm. It's almost like someone who has really, really, really bad anger issues, Mm. who's gone to therapy and now is doing the work to seem positive. The day something breaks that illusion, what you will see under that, you're going to be afraid. Which is why like when you see them on the very front end, they just complain on the very front end and you know what you're getting. Yes. You're not seeing this facade of nice. You, You know what you're getting. And you know, you know where the, you know what I mean. You know where the floor is. You know exactly how crazy or how you know what the baseline is. You can work with that. Somebody who's always perky, nice. Da, 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 da. The day they break flock, it's like the horns come out, the tail comes out. You don't even recognize that person. People who are like, oh, you complain too much. Well, fuck you too, Beth. Get out. Ah, <laughs> oh, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> fuck out of here beth <laughs> yeah no i don't i don't mess with you who don't like you have to complain there are different types of complaining and there are also things that people perceive as complaining that are not actually right like there's things like so there's times when you're like telling people something that they actually need to know right but because it's negative people say stop complaining and it's like i'm not complaining i'm spreading necessary information it just happens to be <laughs> negative information so like i got that a lot in uh, grad school I would like tell people about things they needed to watch, like new grad students. I would be like, okay, like you need to not work for this professor because he's going to like (laughs) ruin your life. You need to not take this class. You need to (laughs) avoid this. You need to not take this sort of project. And everyone was like, you're just complaining. I was like, no, like I'm telling them the pitfalls so that they can have a better experience. Like that's not complaining. So I do that sort of quote unquote complaining, but then even like actual complaining, there are different types of complaining. There's at least, I mean, there's probably more, but for me, there's like, there's like very playful complaining. It's not quite just a joke, but it's almost just a joke. I'm just like getting it off my chest and telling it in a way that's like funny, but negative. There's like something has actually happened to really piss me off and I need to blow off steam. So there's like that emotional venting complaining. And then there's somewhere it's like, I just, I need to just like work, like I need to understand what's even happened. So I like complain through it as like, a, I'm like talking through it. I'm like, I don't need, I can't even like, I'm trying to process what happened complaining. Right. There's probably more types. This is a, this is a primary method of communication for me, so. Yes, yes. <laughs> Honestly, though, and I will say this, though, and the people I get along with understand what you just said. First of all, I complain a lot. People, I mean, when people say to me, I was like, do you think I don't know this? Do, do you think me who's complaining don't know that I'm complaining? Why are you telling me this? I know, I know, you know, and I, we both know. I don't like, there's some, like the Debbie Downer complaining mm-hmm. where you know, everything is doom and gloom. It's just going to be terrible. That's not the kind of complainer that I am. If mm-hmm. I'm complaining about something, it has to be a joke. Yes. <laughs> it has to be a joke. I have to tell it as a very fun story. And I have to explain to you. Because in my mind, I think it's actually a coping mechanism. It's kind of like why I like camp as well. Because camp is like a mix of absurdism and humor. Like you have to look at something for the fact of what it is. And you have to find what's absolutely fucking ridiculous about it. Mm-hmm. Like say, for instance, the fact that my car is fucked up, right? But the absurd <laughs> yes. part is even when I fix the car, I'm going to end up parking it. Yeah. I'm 
not going to use it. I'm fixing that kind of dumb shit. We're like, all right, this is a problem I have to deal with. And when I finish solving this problem, guess what? It would have all been for nothing. That yeah. kind of, you have to find the humor in that. Otherwise, as opposed to somebody who's like going to complain, well, my car broke, uh, my car broke down. I missed the bus. Life is just sucks. Life is hard. Yeah. Life is hard for everybody. Those kinds of people were like, they're kind of complaining actually actively brings her down. It's not like a fun, they don't tell it as a, you know, yeah. fun story. I can't hang around those people. They will bring you down for no reason. But the kind yes. of people that I like, we understand that it's complaining is a form of communication. I, yes. I can complain about the color of my tires if I could. I complain <laughs> about everything. Everything. There's always a way to complain. Because life is hard. Life just is hard. And the people who paint like a positive rosy picture and everything, because I'm like, you are deluded, my dear. Mm-hmm. Either A, you don't see what's wrong with it, or B, you see what's wrong with it and you're choosing to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Who, For what reason? Are you who, Whose feelings are you sparing? Because, you know, some people actually, you know, they, they think that being likable means you should never say a negative thing. Right. That's headache. You're affording yourself that you don't need to afford yourself. It's too much. Just to say what you got to say and keep it stepping. I will say this makes me think of one of the, if not the only thing I miss about working in person in an office is when one of the coworkers you like would come around the corner and just clearly have some shit to tell you. <laughs> like, you want to go get some coffee? You want to take a walk? They're about to give you 30 minutes of the most hilarious, infuriating complaining about some other coworker. You can see it in their eyes when they come around. I was about to say, I'm not a mean person, but I think like all things considered, I'm an okay person. I think if, if they if they draw a line of who's a good person and who's a bad person, it'd be very easy to paint me out to be like the terrible person just because I say exactly how it is and I don't give a fuck. But the people who pretend to be good are the people who will double back and backstab you. And the yeah. story that I want to tell is I used to work with this girl who was that very positive, put a smile out to the world type of person. And I was the grouch who didn't give a shit. I would say exactly. If your work wasn't up to par, I'd call you in and be like, my dear, your shit stank. Fix it. And there was this person they hired. I don't know if he was on the spectrum or something. Maybe not diagnosed, but he was he was little. And he would get, when we would train him, he would get violent. Because he'd get something wrong, get frustrated when you correct him. And then he would just get really violent. Uh-huh. And he'd get violent at this girl. And she'd be like, oh no, it's fine, whatever. When he'd try that shit, they're like, look here, motherfucker. We can have it out. We're going to fight. If you're going to try this, like, don't, don't try it with me. I just don't have the patience because I don't. And whenever he'd fuck shit up, I would call him to the side. Not in front of everybody. I would say, look, because maybe there are three new hires or whatever. I know you think that you're doing as much work as the other two, but they're getting it much easier than you're getting it. So you have to work 10 times as hard just to be able to do what they're doing because you're falling behind. That kind of thing. And he thought that I was the complete terrible person. And whenever he'd make mistakes and submit it to me, I would actually go back and correct it and then let him know this is the mistakes you made. Don't do it again. Then I'd hand off to my boss. And my boss at the end of the, you know, when we do the quarterly reviews and stuff like that, the directors would ask, like, who on your team do you think is not up to speed and that kind of stuff? I'm like, oh, you know, my team is fine. And they'd prod because they, they wanted to get the answer. And I'm like, some people are still facing a steeper learning curve, but I have no doubts in their ability. Like, they're going to catch up. We just need to make sure that when they ask that girl, she specifically requested they get him off the team and they take him to another department that she can't stand him. Mm. And then when he got transferred, he thought I was the one who badmouthed him. He thought I was the one who ruined his livelihood. Mm. And I was like, ah. Because you see how that looks now, right? Because I'm the person who constantly told him, like, you have to do better, you have to do better. He thought that when I was asked about the review, when he finally moved him on to another position that wasn't as good, he thought I was the one who threw him under the bus. I was like, so that kind of thing, right? I, when I used to be at work, when the, the gossip would happen, that kind of stuff, first of all, I love good drama. But I was also <laughs> the kind of person who, like, I would say to your face, like, I, I don't like the thing where I have something to say and then, like, I go behind you. To, if I say behind you, if you show up to my front, my DR will repeat it. Because what, what are you going to do? Want to beat my ass? Let's go. <laughs> What's going to happen? Nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing's going to happen. But yeah, no, th- those kind of complaining type things, I would just do it directly or if i'm going to do the talk back i'll do it to the front and the back how do you think people perceive complaining like in terms of what what do you think the the knee-jerk reaction is when someone is complained to i feel like they broadly fall into two different camps 
which are people who just want to commiserate and people who want to fix whatever you're complaining about. Yeah. It sort of depends where I'm at, which one, because at this point now I complain enough, I know which people are going to react which way. Like my husband wants to be a fixer. He really does. Uh, so if I'm coming to complain to him about something that I don't want fixed, I just want to blow off steam about it, I'll tell him that. And then I will complain okay. my ass off and then he's like, okay. <laughs> but if I just show up and start complaining, he wants to help. He wants to fix it. So he'll start telling me like, well, well what if you did this? And what if you did this? And like, if I'm actually looking for a solution, that's great. If I'm not, then I just, I'm already irritated because of what I'm like, I don't want to fix it. I just want to fucking complain about it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so the fixing thing is like, it's, it's a very legitimate reaction, but sometimes it's, sometimes it's the one I want when I'm complaining, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes I'm just want to fuck around and blow off steam, but I also right. don't need the full opposite reaction, which is like, oh my God, that's so terrible. Like, are you okay? Like if I actually yeah. weren't okay, I would probably not be complaining about it. <laughs> Right. I was about to say that. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I complain about some shit. So it takes like, I'll be out here. Something terrible happens. I'm like laughing and complaining. I, I said this as if it were separate from childhood trauma. Like the it's fact not. that all of my complaining is a joke and that all of my like joking and complaining, all of that happens around like very serious things in my life. Like it's all the same. It's all the same thing. <laughs> this is a flex. This is a flex. <laughs> Me as a person, I have earned almost every right to joke about almost any serious topic you can think of. If anybody can joke about it, my dear, it's me. And I know people who think that I shouldn't joke about those things. I'm like, you don't have a right to tell me not to joke about those things. Yeah. You, you you have no authority here. I am the authority. I get to say whether or not this is funny. I'm the one. If somebody comes to me to complain, I'm a fixer too. But it depends on the tone they come with. Yeah. If they come with the tone that I usually come with, that is like a fucking joke. And we're just going <laughs> to all the way till we fucking fall off our chairs. Yes. My dear, my fixing hat comes off. I'm here to laugh with you. And the thing is like, I can laugh about almost anything because I can find the absurdity in anything. It doesn't matter yes. how dark it is. I will find it and it's going to be funny. Like One of my good friends just talked to me the other, like, the other day about like some terrible shit that happened to them. Before they even finished the sentence, I started cackling. <laughs> And we both started laughing. It was fucking hilarious. Because the thing was terrible, but it was so absurd. No, I just had to lie. It was so stupid. But anyway, yes. that's what I mean. But that person knows exactly how I am. And we know what this is. So when I start laughing, if somebody came to me who didn't know that that was my MO, and I started laughing, like somebody can say, uh, what's something really terrible? I'm just, exactly. See how you're... <laughs> I'll complain and make jokes about like my like very serious mental health. <laughs> and then I'll get the fixer responses that are like, oh my God, like, do you need to go to therapy? Or the people are like, oh my God, I can't imagine living with that. I'm like, this is how you live with it. You like make jokes. You laugh. You laugh, <laughs> my dear. You complain about like intrusive thoughts that are like... <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just watch TikToks. <laughs> you know you know what they say if you don't laugh you'll cry and yeah. it's, it's much it's much better to laugh it's much better because some people you know that they are so self-aware that when they're coming to you about a problem it's not because they don't see a way to solve it it's because they're just most of my very close friends are very self-aware mm -hmm. there's nothing i'm going to tell them as a fixer that they probably haven't already considered mm -hmm. so me saying it again is a moot point and them coming to complain to me about it is because they know i'm going to laugh my ass off this is going to be a hilarious story in about two months flat so yeah. let's go <laughs> my basement ceiling leaks i get upset about it for five minutes and the rest of the time i'm making jokes the rest of the time, i'm making jokes jokes yeah. my dear because this is how you deal with it and i think that's that's that you know what though i'm not one of those old comedians who are like you know what a joke is a joke can't you take a joke i think some things do need context some things should not like read the room my dear that kind of thing the other thing i was going to say is humor trumps a lot of things if yeah. you can make it funny enough anything goes that's how i feel about complaining if you're going to complain about something that's really dark there has to be a punchline to it because <laughs> nobody wants to hear somebody who's a debbie downer i don't even know 
if I have any friends like that. But if I did, I would have canceled them a long time ago. <laughs> because in my head, and this is the thing that I've always realized, they could think because I complain a lot that I would be more receptive to the way they complain. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 my dear. Night and day. My complaining and yours, not the same. There's levels to this shit. You're not even self-aware to realize what you fucked up to make this thing really your problem. Don't bring me down. Some people will complain about some remedial stuff. Yes. <laughs> I remember in college, there'd be kids who would be in humanities complaining about having to write a three-page essay <laughs> to me while I'm writing a 50-page lab report. I said, look here, my dear. Your story is not funny. You are actually complaining about writing three pages. Three! I would wish to have your problem. Your problem is my life goal right now. I want your problem. Wanna swap? But even today, somebody can complain about something so stupid. And it won't be funny. It'd actually be like, oh my god. My flight got moved by one hour. And I have to sit in the airport for one hour. And I'm like, and it's not like a funny joke of, now I gotta sit in the airport in an hour. And these motherfuckers over here are like, there's like a family with two kids and their kids are misbehaving. And one of those kids just smacked his head into the wall running into the... It won't be like a funny story like that. It will be actually right. them really upset about that one so my dear, that's the only problem you have? And that one hour delay is because you're on your way to a four-week vacation in a beautiful <laughs> island? Let me say something. Don't complain to me about that. My life is catching fire. My basement ceiling is fucked up. My car won't start. <laughs> I'm not going to be here for the Fugis concert in November. <laughs> I'm upset on five different levels. You're a fucking one-hour flight delay? You sit there, you take that. You sit there, you fucking take that. I also can't stand when people complain about the same thing over and over and over again. No Especially in that. a, like, it's like, it's not funny because it's just... And I mean, I guess I should clarify a little. Because it is funny when, like, there's... Again, it's all how you frame it. Sometimes there's things that are like just recurring, like this person has just extremely bad luck with this one thing and it's funny every time it comes up. <laughs> but like, I have friends who like really hate their job, not for any like, you know, deep, meaningful way. They just hate it. It's boring. They won't get a new job or do anything to move to get a new job. And just every time I talk to them, they just complain about the job and complain about their coworkers who they don't like for the same reason that they haven't liked them for the past like years. It's like, okay, well, you don't either, you don't want or you're not listening to me telling you to fix it. I'm tired of commiserating with you about it like stop stop just either get a new job or stop complaining to me about this <laughs> when i t i canceled somebody i was talking to i had to ghost them <laughs> because the person was so enthusiastic to hang out with me mm -hmm. and then they'd hang out with me and complain the whole time <laughs> like i don't know if this is a good time for you but for me my love no yeah. bueno they would come and complain about their supervisor and they tell me the story and I'm, I'm listening to this and i'm like actually you ain't shit your supervisor was right to clock you for that yes. if i were your supervisor I'd, I'd clock you even harder they were even being nice about it actually yes. so why are you complaining about this Yes. Like, I don't want to. Maybe you've already feel like you're down, and I'm over here. Like, you know, that's exactly my mo. That's exactly part of part <laughs> yeah. why I am. That's the tracks. I haven't seen that stop you before, and I won't stop now. You're on the floor. Your head. That's my soccer ball. We'll kick that shit. I will kick that shit. <laughs> and the person would show up and be like, oh, you know, my supervisor slash administrator is doing X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay. First of all, and I, I always say, you know, you have to pick your battles. Are you going to leave your job? No. Is this person going to be your supervisor for a significant time longer? Yes. Okay, you have to get on the good side. If they want mm -hmm. things done X way, figure out why. So if the case is you don't want to do it X way, don't just complain, I don't want to do it X way. Mm -hmm. Talk to them. Say, look, why do you want it done X way? I prefer it done Y. Why is the X? And the supervisor, for the most part, people will, especially if you're the manager of a team, you'll be able to say, okay, I see the way you want to do it. And that way will be fine. Except like the way we need to use that data set in the future is this. And this is the format that's going to work for that then. Mm -hmm. And then you can come to understanding as to why they're insisting on the way they want it. Because chances are, if, and if the thing is they're just being unreasonable and they like it, that way why you get a new job yeah and I, that, that sounds like a throwaway like very easy thing some people just can't but no honestly start working towards it yeah get your extra strategy together but like you can't show show up to my place oh let's hang out yeah let me come over to your place and you, you sit down there for three hours complaining about a supervisor i'm just literally sitting there looking like they should have fired you a long time ago <laughs> 
And that's what I'm thinking. And now I have to hide my own thoughts because if I say that shit, I seem like a fucking asshole. So I have to sit here doing mental acrobatics to spare your raggedy feelings. My dear, I'm ghosting you. I'm going to Houdini your ass. You will just never see me again. That's going to be that on that. Honestly, I just got upset about that guy all over again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> There were several things wrong with that person, and this was just the, the straw that broke the very hefty camel's back. Oh, I can complain yeah. about that. Speaking of complaining, I'm just going to, now that I've remembered it, I'm going to continue complaining. There is nothing I hate more than cheapness. <laughs> being a cheapskate annoys me to no end. I hate it. You know what I hate more than being a cheapskate? People who are cheeks, cheapskates who think they can take advantage of you without you noticing. Mm. So, my dear, if I'm going, this is a public service announcement to the pe people I will be dating in the future. <laughs> if we are dating and I offer to pay like I want to do, I intend to pay simply because I don't want the case where we do the thing where we start splitting the checks and it's just this messy thing. I'm like either I pay or you pay. But if we're going to do that split thing, I'm just going to go ahead and pay. I don't have patience for it. If the first time I pay, the second time I pay, the third time I pay, the fourth. When it's reaching the fifth time and you haven't one time either offered to pay or in this person's case, you've offered to pay. But the day you offered to pay, you don't have your wallet. <laughs> you forgot it. You know what I'm saying? And I've said that, like I, Richard, who's my very, Richard has been on the podcast before. Richard knows how I am. I'm extremely unreasonable. But the thing <laughs> is, because I think way too much, I like, you know, I, that meme I brought up a while ago. I'm like, you cannot disappoint an overthinker yeah. because they've already expected your disappointment. They know you're going to do it even before you do it. They've already considered the option that you could do it. Yeah. So I remember saying to Richard before, like, I hung out with this person the fourth time. I said, I've paid three times. And the person said they'd be paying the fourth time. And I said, Richard, what do you think the chances are that the person wouldn't have their wallet when it's time to pay? Richard was like, you're overthinking it. They're going to have their wallet. Why are you like this? <laughs> date was over first thing i did is picked up my phone sent a text to richard like you raggedy bitch was <laughs> i right or was i right that motherfucker forgot their wallet and you know what upset me about that it's almost as if they think i'm stupid like you think you've yeah. pulled one over on me haha -ha, i told him i forgot my wallet my dear i already intended to pay i knew you were gonna forget your wallet and then after that i was like whatever happens from here on out i'm not going to offer to pay for anything and we'll see how they move again this is i hate i hate when i'm right sometimes i'm like life would be so much easier if i were wrong sometimes <laughs> i said so they invited me to go to a thing and like at one of those club parties thing and they're like oh let's go and i was like okay let's go and then on like the day before they're like okay so it's gonna be like uh whatever it was like a 50 dollars a ticket because for two tickets would be like 100 dollars or whatever mm -hmm. and i was like okay i'm like first of all you're just telling me this the day before you asked me this like a couple days ago why didn't you mention it then they're like oh and i was like well here's the thing i'm not gonna justify paying 50 dollars for an entry fee for a club party saturday afternoon plus yeah. if, even if it's like an eight hour party i don't have eight hours to spend on saturday like i'm mostly gonna yeah. be there maybe maximum one and a half hours yeah so i'm not justifying spending money like that and the person was like oh okay i understand you see what i'm saying yeah they are not willing to even consider saying because if i really wanted somebody to show up for something i'd be like you know what don't worry about it i got you yeah they're like okay i understand i was like ah four dates you forgetting on the fourth date that you forgot your wallet and this i said my dear we're done here you're done here again yeah. you thinking like i'm an idiot that i don't do you think I don't notice that pattern? Yeah. I'd be a damn fool if there were a six date. When you're dating someone, like, mm -hmm. just hold your wallet. Just have your money. Because, say, for instance, if you if you make significantly more money than the person and you're trying to, you know, if you're dictating the kinds of places that you want to go and maybe that person cannot afford it, but because you like that person's company, it's not a big deal. You just pay for it. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. But if this person, you know that they make more money than you, they are just cheap motherfuckers who think that it's just okay for that. My, my dear, this is me complaining. We're done here. We're done. This number will vanish. You won't be able to reach me anymore. You're blocked and you are deleted. <laughs> but this person, wow, their complaining was not the one. I was like, oof. It's like that um, Christina Aguilera song. Don't you bring me down mm -hmm, today. <laughs> I'm going to bring me down 
every goddamn time I saw him. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, speaking of complaining. Oh my God. It's all coming back to me now. It's like that Celine Dion song. Yeah. You know that person I said, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. But I told a story about this a few weeks ago where I was seeing someone and they didn't respect my time because when I said I had to leave their place, they just laid on top of me and wouldn't get up and I couldn't leave their place. Mm -hmm. And I got very angry about that, like internally, because I couldn't. And I just, as soon as I left their place, I was like, we're done here. That person has found me on social media and kept sending me messages. No. I didn't even respond. I see the messages. Delete, 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 delete. I need to go figure out how to block people on all those platforms because my dear. <laughs> There's no more to say. There's absolutely. Because <gasps> you know the kind of thing where people are like, um, I get accused of not communicating well enough. And I'm always like, maybe I'm not communicating well enough. Sometimes I have to be like, maybe I'm just missing something. <laughs> Because I try to be as explicit as possible in all my communications, just so nobody can say there's two ways to interpret this. There, there's nothing to even explain here, because the problem is, my dear, you don't respect my time. You yeah. also don't respect my wishes. I can't even come and communicate, like, why I'm... I can't even say, okay, the reason why I'm canceling you is because there's no more to say here. Yeah. We're, there's just no more to say. So this is me also complaining. Anyway, that person is sitting in my inbox, rotting there, because, my dear... <laughs> <laughs> I can think of you say you communicating. It's when you texted me. I'm sorry. I might be late posting the podcast because I got, I got shot. shot. <laughs> <laughs> did I or did I not update you? Did I or did I not get shot? The fact that you there. said was wrong. All of it was information that I needed to know. Unless there's someone you like talk to all the time and you're just telling them about their life. Like if you were specifically reach reaching out to be like, oh man, a really shitty thing happened to me. And it's like, it's right. not funny and you're not looking for a fix for it. And you're just like, like that's the sort of complaining I don't really do. Like if I think they'll find it funny, I'll tell them. If I need their advice, I'll tell them. If it like affects them, I'll tell them. But like, I'm not going to just right. be like, let me just rain on your parade a little. <laughs> exactly. And you know what I've realized is um, in my language, there's a saying, which translates into the person who was hurt is the one who knows vaguely meaning that what you're going through you're going through it that's why you know what it feels like mm -hmm. what i'm going through i know it because i'm going you know what i mean so i can't bring my own problems to you because guess what you have your own fucking problems mm -hmm. i can't call you out of the blue unless like we talk regularly and stuff like that to go complain about stuff that you as if you don't have your own problems going on mm -hmm. and mean then bring mine and just dump mine on you what was the reason there's absolutely no reason unless i'm going to give you a good story about it and we're gonna laugh about it yeah. or there's like a good reason why i should be telling you right otherwise no not wanting to tell each other any bad news can end right. up in what my family does sometimes is that like something really bad has been ongoing for a long time and you don't hear about it until like something real bad happens and then it just gets dropped on you all at once i didn't learn that one of my grandparents had passed away until like weeks later <laughs> they just didn't uh, tell me wow they didn't wow, tell wow, me wow, 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 wow. i mean i wasn't very close to that grandparent but it was one of those like they were going through it and like it was all this like stuff and they just like didn't tell me so i just found out like weeks later excuse me what i understand yeah. you're not wanting to like put stuff on me but like at some point you can put some stuff on me i think if i have kids i would struggle with that i think if i have kids i would do exactly what my what our parents do and just not tell them stuff mm -hmm. because I, I i just my mind's and I, I this is why when my parents do stuff like that i think i understand it better now mm. you don't like i said everybody's going through it mm -hmm. you don't want to put your burden on someone else by so i get why they wouldn't want to tell and every time they do that i'm like okay when they eventually tell me that i don't get upset at them for not telling me i'm just like okay what is the solution we can do going on from now is everything fine now and like what do we do from here that kind of thing as opposed to like y'all didn't tell me I don't, I try not to, because if I have right. kids, I need to go to therapy, because, <laughs> my dear, if I have kids, I wouldn't tell them shit. <laughs> shit. I wouldn't tell them a damn thing. My kids are probably worried about, like, if they're if they're in college, they're worried about, like, passing their classes, doing all this shit to get their lives together, and I'm like, oh, by the way, my dear, your grandparents, I, no, no, you finish your degree, and when you're done with that, maybe I'll tell you. But yeah, I think I need to go, you know, look, somebody says, uh, I was hanging out with somebody this week, and they were like, you know, they said, therapy is expensive. It's so much cheaper to just block people and move on. <laughs>
<laughs> Do you have anything else to complain about? <laughs> Always. So that concludes our episode on complaining. You can find us complaining on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty oh, Purse. You missed a thanklessness for joining us. Oh, well, that's because I'm not thankful. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. I might leave that in. Thank you, listeners. We are thankful for our listeners. Thank you for joining us and listening to us complain for the whole hour on purpose this time and not just because that's how we talk about things. (laughs) (laughs) So you can also find us complaining on Twitter, complaining on Instagram, and complaining on TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, complain back, but make it funny and let us know what you'd like to hear us cover in the future. On next week's episode, we'll be talking about cancel culture. Until next time, peace.